Good morning, church. Good morning. The psalmist says in chapter 122 that I was glad when it was said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Because it's in the house of the Lord, the presence of the Lord. He also says earlier in the 16th Psalm that there is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. And we know joy isn't rooted in happenings or happiness. Uh, happiness, rather, is rooted in happenings. But then again, as we were baptized this morning, I thought, well, there is a happening some 2,000 years ago that ought to bring us some joy today. And that the Lord took on human flesh, gave his life for you and for me. The death we should have died, he died. And then he rose again on the third day, proving that he's the son of God. So if... If you walked in and this week it wasn't full of happenings that were so great, the reason why there's fullness of joy in the kingdom is because he's still on the throne. And that's why Psalm 118 and 24, I can get up here every week and say, this is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And I want you to do me a favor, and it is in some ways indulging me, but when we get to that word rejoice, can we just lift the roof off of this place like there's something to rejoice about? Just the word, we can just say it together. Can we do that? This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And we won't do it seven times. That's about how many times they walked around the walls of Jericho, right? And then the, but there may be some walls, metaphorically and real, in your life. So maybe just one more time for good measure for the person who came in here who doesn't believe it yet. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. We serve a mighty God, do we not? Every now and then I wake up and I think, man, I didn't do that by myself. That's kind of cool, God, that you thought enough of me to give me a little breath again. And all last night when I wasn't thinking about it, that's kind of cool. My kids get home safely every day from school. That's kind of cool that when I experienced tragedy, somehow I didn't succumb to the deep, dark depression that could have been. But you brought me through. Yeah. There's reason to rejoice every day of our lives. And so when we come together corporately... I get there's a priming of the pump to some extent. You come to get, I get it. But Lord, help us when we get up in the morning to, to have the pump primed by his goodness and his mercy that has already chased us down before we walked into the room. He's good. He is good. If he does nothing else for me, you've given me the opportunity, us the opportunity to live again. And not just that, the Lord's prayer says what? Lord, let your will be done on earth. So lest we get caught up with just the by and by, and I am grateful that I don't have to go to hell, Jaina. That's a good day. <laughs> but man, he said, let's bring it here. How am I going to bear his image here in the earth? That excites me. I pray that it does you as well. And yes, I'll remind us because that's what we do for each other when we fall here or there and can't quite see just how good he's been. But I pray, Lord, that we come with your presence because we embody now the Holy Spirit ourselves. Amen. 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 Way off whatever notes are sitting here. But my name is Paul. For those who don't know me, I am incredibly privileged and honored to be the pastor of this congregation. And it is so good to see every single one of your faces. It's so good to have those of you live streaming this morning. Uh, you chose to spend an hour of your time with us today. You chose to come out in the rain and we are grateful. We are grateful for that. And when, when, whenever it rains or it snows or something that I don't prefer, Terrence, I like to lean on, man, well, God, I'm above ground to feel it. So thank you anyhow. Amen. <laughs> Amen. As my, my brother, uh, Glenn Fiddler, not my literal brother, my white brother from Freedom High School that I worked with long time ago, he would say, Mr. Harris, I'm not pushing up daisies today. It's a good day. 
I said, Fit, I'm going to use that 10 years from now. Thank you. Uh, thank you also for the volunteers who are here. Can we give it up for the volunteers who serve every single week? Uh, we have been in the midst of a series entitled, What is Your Story? And, and uh, the, the underpinnings of that is evangelism, how God might use the unique story we have to help someone else see him in their story. And so as a part of this month, we've been highlighting just a few each week of the stories here at, at Victory Church by way of introducing to some, presenting to others, uh, our Victory Coordinator. So I would love for three to join me on stage today. I want to ask Troy Savage, Andrea Smith, and Nathan Swanson to join me on stage. And can we just give God a hand for them? As they come, I'm going to talk a little bit about them because I just want, again, to share some of their story. Uh, Troy Savage has been our prayer coordinator and is our prayer coordinator, prayer team coordinator here at Victory Church. And what that involves is every week, every single day of the week, they are praying for you, for our city, for our community. He coordinates that, and it's organized and intentional and strategic. And then Monday nights on the phone from 8 to 820, because it's not how long it is, it's what makes it long, there's an opportunity for all of us to phone in and give God a little thanks, to exercise our faith Practice, if you will, what it's like to converse with God. Again, not how long it is. It's what makes it long. So there are nice, short, bite-sized prayers so that everybody can get in and say thanks to the Lord. He keeps that on track, on time, on task, in that they reference the prior day's sermon, and we benefit by somebody bombarding heaven for us. To be specific, though, they pray for each of the volunteers by name. And so all of you who are serving as unto the Lord on one of our teams, your name is getting uttered by someone else you may or may not even know brought to the throne of God. Troy, we thank you for that. He's also from Ottawa, Canada. He is, I think he probably want you to know that Toronto Rappers did win the NBA championship. <laughs> so I'll just say that for him. Uh, he has, uh, he's been telling his story since 1993. It's when the Lord saved him. And he's been in Charlottesville for about five and a half years. And with us, just about since last year. He came to a prayer breakfast last summer, and then we launched in January, and he came then and has been with us ever since. Thank you, Troy. And I'm looking for Chantel, but the, the woman who was here to my right, your left, she's there. That's his wonderful bride with whom he serves as unto the Lord. Thank you as well, because Troy doesn't do what he does without support um, and a co and a co-laborer. Isn't that right? Um, <clears throat> uh, to my left, your right, Andrea Smith uh, from Fostoria. Did I say that right? Fostoria, mm, Ohio. Uh, yeah, we got a, a Midwest fan. She is stewarding the Victory Kids Ministry. Yeah. Every now and then I, I get the pauses right. That was an appropriate pause because if you've been like me, you perhaps have been in spaces where your kids didn't want to go. Like, I remember that. They didn't want to go. And, and, and so they were in service with us, and they didn't want to be there either. So I am grateful that now when our kids get up in the morning, not only do they want to come, they want to come early with me. That's another opportunity to say thank you to the Lord. And if, if it doesn't resonate for you in terms of uh, personal experience, just celebrate with me vicariously because that's a huge deal that they say, can I come with you at whatever time you're going? It doesn't matter if it's early. Andrea Smith leads that team wonderfully. She's been in Charlottesville for 14 months, uh, so pretty much since the beginning. Came from Grace Covenant Church, which is our sending church in Northern Virginia. So when they pray, yeah. 
when they prayed and said, hey, and they invited, hey, you guys want to come down to Charlottesville and start this church? There's no job promise. There's no position promise. You don't even know what you're going to be doing. Do you want to go? And then she went through the gauntlet with Pastor Brett. I shouldn't call it that, but he went through conversations with Pastor Brett and Pastor Jim, purpose of which is for them to basically say, this is going to be incredibly hard. You sure? And so much more. And after which she says, no job, no position, don't know what I'm going to be doing, but I know in the will of God, it's going to be hard in life anyway. So in the will of God, I'd rather be there and it'd be hard. And so she said, I'm coming. I'm coming. And is leading our kids' ministry, never led a kids' ministry, has taught for many, many years. But this is the first endeavor and is doing a phenomenal job with the team. And I push so hard to all of our coordinators. There's a lot to say, and I'll be, keep it brief. I've already not done that, so I'm going to try to keep it brief from this point out. But I push them, and I say, you know what? I want you to come and worship as often as you possibly can. Pushing harder than I know sometimes maybe is realistic, but yet 10 months in, which is not a long time in a church plant, she's able to be in here because there are systems running such that people can serve and plug in and give and pour into our next generation. And lastly, but not least, she kind of swims the English channel in her spare time. No big deal. Oh, y'all do that too? Oh, yeah, I did that yesterday. Yeah. The English channel is what I said. I can't swim one lap at ACAC. Like, who am I talking to? Y'all do that? Okay. That's normal. Um, thank you, Andrea. And last but certainly not least, Nathan Swanson leads our AV team. And these folks, they don't, they don't often get recognized. You don't know they're there until something's wrong, usually, right? There's a ring, ring, ring. And you're like, who? Somebody's in charge of that. That's usually when you know. So I'm kinda ni- it's kind of nice to have uh, Nathan representing the team and all of them are representing their teams up here to say, man, when things don't, when they don't know you're there, that's, we want to celebrate you then. There's no ringing. There's no, and he's not even a sound guy per se. He came and said, I'm available to learn. Pastor Danelle from Grace, she's preached here before, would say, that'll preach. That'll preach. I'm available to learn. And as such, he's managed a pretty, pretty sophisticated board back there with Zandy and Willie and so many others. And we are grateful uh, for Nathan. He's been, gosh, known the Lord since 1986 and has been in Charlottesville for the last five or so years from Dallas, Texas, and um, has been with us since the beginning of, of, of Victory Church. And we are grateful for him allowing us to be a part of his story and vice versa. And God has incredibly blessed him because now he's launching out into his own company and God is just doing some things by way of his strengths, aligning with what God's called him to do in marketplace ministry here as well. And I want us to do one more thing if we, if we can, because next week he and Megan, his wife, and their three children, David, Valerie, and Caitlin are going to Peru. And so I want to take 60 seconds to pray for them. Megan, his wife, I think she's here, maybe not, maybe with the kids. Um, She's a physician, and they'd gone some years ago and done medical missions and thought maybe God is doing something in their hearts. Maybe they want to go back. And so they're saying they're going to go back with an eye toward discernment of whether or not God is calling them there. (laughs) Short term, long term. We're working out the details of how Victory will come alongside and support and be a part of. But I'd love for you, just with your outward sign of faith, if you don't mind, just stretching your hand toward Nathan and by extension, Megan, Caitlin, David, and Valerie, because they do everything as a team. They're taking all of them to Peru on the 26th. Lord, thank you for your wisdom. 
Thank you for your discernment on the part of Nathan and Megan and their entire family. Thank you for safe travels to Peru. Thank you for what you've already done in and through them there and what you'll do during this trip by way of ministering to those through medicine that are in need of it. And I pray that there would be uh, a wisdom such that like Solomon, they would be able to judge and discern well what you are calling them to. Is it short term? Is it long term? With whom might they need to connect and, and with whom might they need to partner in this effort? I pray that doors would be clearly open, the ones they should walk through and those they shouldn't, that they would be clear as well. Grant them again safe travel and be with them by the power of your Holy Spirit. May they come back with testimonies that we can celebrate with them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Small tokens of appreciation for each of them. Can we just stand and give them some love as they return to their seats? Thank you, Andrea. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, Troy. Thank you, man. All right. I'm still a bit full. If you were here at 930, you know we had our first baptismal ceremony and service. Yeah. And I put in my notes not to say much about that till the end because the whole sermon would be that, but I couldn't help just letting a little bit of that come out uh, because what a time it was uh, and continues to be. And after service, the refreshments we typically have will be in honor of that moment. But turn with me now to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. As you find that, I am going to pray. Lord, we thank you for another opportunity to share the word of God. You allow us the privilege to read with freedom your word without fear of persecution. We can study your word. We are thankful for the word that is living and it's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, the word says. And as such, we, whether we know it or not, are in great need of spiritual surgery every single day. I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would rule this moment, that you would speak, that you'd allow me to participate well enough that I'd remove the impediment so that you can speak to and soften the hearts of every person in the room, myself included. May the words on these pages come alive as the inspired, breathed word of God, useful for teaching, rebuke, correcting, and training up in righteousness. Help us be better than we were before we walked in the room by the power of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. I'll be reading from the NIV. Uh, it should be on the screens, and I'd love for you to read it with me as loudly as you can. You ready? In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, but you. I'll turn to the other one and tell them, but you. But you. 
The Apostle Paul, who's the writer of this letter, is quite aware of his time that, uh, uh, at this time, that his time on earth is nearly over. And so now he's urging his spiritual son, Timothy, the recipient of this letter, to carry on the good fight of spreading the gospel through what he knows will be plenty of obstacles. And I believe the text that we've read this morning encourages us to observe at least three things about which I will speak this morning. One, recognize God's presence. Two, publish Jesus. And thirdly, focus and finish. Paul, in his charge to Timothy, is also reminding him that he, and by extension we, are performing for an audience of one. There's a lot of stadium, a lot of noise, rather, in the stadium of life, is there not? A lot of sort of clamoring for us to direct our performance toward it. But it says, he says in this letter to Timothy, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. In other words, Paul is saying, everything I've ever done, and now this charge that I'm giving to you, I'm doing in view of God. I recognize that he's watching. And by extension, Timothy, he's watching you too. No pressure. It's just the God of the universe who has his eyes on everything that you're doing and saying and, and how you're behaving and treating your significant others and your coworkers. No pressure, but we're doing it with the knowledge that God is watching. Ananias and Sapphira, the early church, their failure to, Acts chapter 5, their failure to recognize God's presence and the power of God's presence literally cost them their life. They sold some property and they were supposed to bring all the proceeds to the apostles' feet. They chose instead to keep some of it and then lie about it and they were no more. <laughs> Lot's wife, if you go to the Old Testament, after uh, the so Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed and uh, Lot's wife was told by the angel, listen, do not look back. She looks back and pillar of salt is what she turned into. I'm grateful to God that he doesn't buy just say that he doesn't just apply those same rules today for us. Cause I think we'd be speaking to an empty room <laughs> if that be the case. But what he has done lets us know just how seriously he takes our regard for and respect for the presence of God. Of course, we know we don't serve a God who's just sitting up on high waiting to zap us. That's not kind of, that's not who we are serving. And he's not sitting around waiting for us to stumble so he can get us. And his presence is not just about that, but it is in many ways reminding us of the refuge that we could also have in him. So yes, in some ways, I kind of want to come back to that. And, and if we have time, we will to the fear and reverence we ought to have of God, because really, if there were a fear and reverence of him, there'd be sort of this posture when we come into his presence. Like, ah, uh, like I remember when the angels showed up, like it wasn't a good thing. People died. How can I respect you a little bit more in my life? How do I regard your presence more in everything that I'm doing? And yet, it's not just about that, but it's also about God, you being a refuge. The three Hebrew boys, Daniel 6, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in the fiery furnace, if you know the story, and they're in there because they did not choose to, or they chose rather, not to bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar. So the king threw them in the fiery furnace, and when he went to check on them, he saw one, two, three, 
and a fourth, and none of them were harm, harmed. Jesus Christ was in there with them, which makes me think of life, and maybe you can reflect on your own life in the times where the things that should have taken you out did not. Somehow you came through unscathed when you know you probably should have been a bit more damaged. Maybe you should be an abuser the way you were abused, or maybe you should tear into your kids the way you were torn into, or maybe there should be a bit more ill effects of the things you've gone through, but you don't smell like the smoke from the fire that you were in. I thank God for the work that he has done and continues to do in me such that I'm unscathed. There may be some scars here and there, but scars in some ways is the matter of I'm being healed and I don't have to deal with what could have been the repercussions of that. We were talking with a guy, um, talking with a guy. They were presenting the God's Not Dead presentation. How many of you went to that uh, about last week or so? Dr. Michael Gillen and, and Dr. Rice Brooks, by the way, 80 showed up. Seven people gave their lives to Jesus Christ that night. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, I would say that again, but we got to move on. Seven people gave their lives to Jesus Christ that night. Amazing. And Dr. Gillen told the story of him being, uh, after, the, after the, the ceremony, I actually asked him, why did you dive two and a half miles deep into the ocean? Because I just don't get that. I would never do that. But he did to go down and, and visit the Titanic with some professionals. And while he was down there, they got caught in the propeller and got stuck. And in that time, he said, oh, this is it. This is my, this is the end for me. And then he says from the stage and through tears, I felt the presence of God in that place with me. We shouldn't have gotten out, but an hour later we did. And I'm here to tell the story of how no matter where I am in the depths of the sea, Jesus is with me. I have no idea what you've been through, but I imagine if you've lived any amount of life, however much you decide to express it, I know and God knows that we've had a Titanic moment where we were in the depths of whatever sea and somehow God brought us through it. He's a refuge. And so his presence in that regard is with us. Even when we tried to run away from his presence, we couldn't outrun him. Jonah's a good witness of that. Go to, Nona, go to Nineveh, Jonah. I'm good. I'm gonna go to Tarshish. How about that? How about I send my divine Uber to pick you up and let you really realize <laughs> the presence of God that is with you everywhere that you go. There's no outrunning the presence of God. That's good news. Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10 says it this way. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Romans 8, verses 38 and 39 say it this way. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the place to shout. I don't know about you, but every day I'm doing something that I know is not bringing a smile to God's face. And yet he says there's nothing that's going to separate me from you. I can't work my way, nor can you, into the arms of Jesus any more than we already are. His presence is here. How do we regard it, respect it, appreciate it, embrace it? And I would love if the God of the universe, who prayerfully all of us will hear someday say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. To actually say every day of our lives, well done, my good and faithful servant. 
We were in Northern Virginia, the worship team and I, the last couple of days for a conference, a worship conference, and Travis Green was there. Y'all know Travis Green, so I'm out of Eden for the throwbacks who had those cassettes. They did a comeback little concert, and the, the theme of the concert was on earth as it is in heaven. And, and the, the overwhelming, if you will, theme, which is what I just said, was that it is not, as I referenced earlier, our getting to heaven as much as it is seeing heaven come here, being a conduit through whom the Holy Spirit can impact our immediate surroundings. Anybody interested not just in punching a ticket to heaven, but literally interested in bringing heaven here in your relationships? Anybody can use a little heaven in their relationships in the workplace, or are you going into work like, this is the best thing ever. Nobody ever gets on my nerves in the meeting. I never feel like backslapping them in the meeting. No. <laughs> Am I talking to somebody who lives through something where you're like, I can use a little bit more heaven here? Acknowledging God's presence, not just in the by and by, but what he wants us to do here. Paul says, in view of that, I give you this charge. Because when we view his presence, when we understand it, when we regard it, we move differently, don't we? We live differently. We hear differently. We think differently. We can't just keep things moving. All around us, things are just, people can just move, but you... (laughs) And me, we don't just keep it moving when we see a racial achievement gap. We can't. When others are just moving along with the business of the day, when women are being treated less than, but you and me, in view of the presence of God, in view of God's mercy, I can't keep it moving. In view of the unborn who are... Uh, known before they were ever formed in their mother's womb and yet are not being regarded as such. How do we keep it moving when we see that? How do we keep it moving or not, I pray, when and haves and have-nots have been around for a long time? Yes, and it's a problem biblically. How do we look at the systemic marginalization of a few to the privilege of the others and say, ah, but me, Lord, in view of your presence and in view of of your watching this moment, how might I bring heaven to earth now? I know I'm not getting many amens because I confused the heck out of you, right? There's a whole lot going on in there, but it comes back to the point of we perform for an audience of one. It messes up all of the allegiances that we might have when we come to this and say, who's my audience? I perform for one, and he touches all those things. That'll jack up every other sort of strategic and framework we might have, because I'm like, oh, that sounded here, and that sounded here, and it's all Bible. How do we embrace the but you of this text? Or do we just go about business as usual? We can go on the pipeline of black men to prison and to death because it's good business, but you and me say, no, business will not go on as usual. In view of his presence, I give you this charge. Timothy, preach the word. Proclaim it. Declare it. Publish Jesus every chance that you get. Shout about him. Tell of his goodness. He didn't free you, Timothy. He didn't free you and me to just sit on it and say, oh, that was really cool. God, what you did. You healed my mother from an aneurysm. That was nice. Thank you. When I was in 10th grade, me, Paul, and they told, yes, it's going to be a while. Don't know what it is. Six months, maybe. And two weeks later, two weeks later, back in school, 
He didn't, he didn't free me to go back to my room and just say, that was nice, Jesus. Now that I'm not experiencing insane fevers and they can't figure it out and would give my parents some crazy estimation. He freed us in order for us to tell our story. The woman at the well, we preached about her a couple of weeks ago. When God encountered her, told her everything about herself, what did she do with no seminary degree, with some baggage that we all have? She went back to her hometown and told the story such that they believed in Jesus through her testimony. He's freed you. He's freed me to tell a story, to preach the word. Left what she thought was a priority and went on to tell what she knew now was the priority. The two blind men in in Matthew 9 that Jesus healed and actually told them, listen, don't go anywhere because for a lot of reasons that we can't unpack, but don't go and tell anybody. They they said, man, I can see. I'm going back to my region. And it says they spread it across the region. What has he done for you? How has he brought you through? How is he bringing you through? What victories have you experienced that you know cannot be explained other than Jesus Christ? That maybe you're sitting on the hands when God is saying, open them up because so-and-so on your block needs that needs me. What is your life publishing? I was reading this and studying and I thought about Dr. Frederick Casey Price. Some of y'all may not remember him. I'm going to feel y'all out. Anybody know Dr. Frederick Casey Price? Y'all used to watch that broadcast? No? A couple head nods in the room. I came to my head because I was like, man, that song, Evidence? Dun, 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 dun. Evidence? Y'all remember that song? Okay, some laugh. Does your life show enough evidence? Dun, 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 dun. As a kid, I'd be like, who came up with that music? That's not encouraging. I'm scared to death. No. Oh. But it made me think, what is my life publishing? Because we're all publishing something, and he, he, pretty, he got that message through quite clearly, that there ought to be evidence off of my life. There ought to be something that I'm publishing that preaches Jesus. And the question I'll ask you is, who are you publishing? What is your life publishing? Because we're all publishing something. And no, this isn't a scare tactic, gospel, if you will, though there's something about that, as I referenced earlier, that I would love to embrace, which is a holy fear and reverence for a holy God and how we ought to bear his image and steward the gospel well in the earth. We desire with every fiber of our being to publish him and how great he is because he is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's your healer, your deliverer, your way maker when there was no way. Elevation music, a lot of things are crossing my brain right now. It sings a song, I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. Why? Because the battle belongs to him. We've seen victories and we'll see so many more, but not because we're so great and skilled, but God, God stepped in. So we are to preach that and publish that, proclaim that, declare that. I want my life to look like Peter's. When Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And he said, Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. That got me because I know how I am in my temperament. And for 20 years now, I've been praying through this. Lord, I know how you've called me to build bridges, to be a connector, to be a a developer of people, etc. And if I'm not careful, what might happen in trying to do that is a minimization of you being the Christ, (laughs) the son of the living God. Help me when you open up doors, one, for me to recognize it, and two, for me to say very loudly through my words and my actions, it's because of Jesus. I stand here. I do what I do because of Jesus. And if there is to be any sort of reconciliation on any front in this city, in this church, it's going to be because 
of him. He says, preach the word. Preach the word in season and out of season. At the gym, stretching before class, preach the word. (laughs) There are a lot of opportunities there, actually. Preach the word. If you're on a stage, great, preach the word. In season, out of season. One quick story, and then we'll get back to I was at Grace Covenant Church um, as an associate pastor for their small groups, and every Tuesday we have a staff meeting. And the staff meeting consists of testimonies, and there'd be a devotional. We pray in the Spirit for quite a long time before we said anything intelligible. That was, I mean, we just the Holy Spirit inspired moment that was staff meeting. And I remember when people would give a devotional, I'd be praying for them. Because you have to imagine, you've met Pastor Brett Fuller now, um, who's been here a couple of times. He's sitting up there, the executive pastor's there, all these pastors and leaders are in the room, and you're called up there to then somehow speaking to them. So I'd be praying for them in that devotional. Like, Lord, help them. This is hard. And one day, I'm praying for them and whoever's going to be doing the devotional. And as I'm sitting there, I hear the executive, the COO say, and today we have Paul Harris who's giving a devotional. And I said, Huh? Say what? Uh, so I was praying for whomever else was going to be giving this devotion, but it was me. They laughed. They recognized. I didn't know it was my turn, even though they probably sent me an email and a call, but I didn't know till that moment. I said, in season, out of season. And nobody jumped up, by the way. Pastor Brad sat down. <laughs> and for five to seven minutes, there had to be a biblically-based admonishment and exhortation to a group of leaders. Preach the word in season and out of season. Prepare then for said preached word. Read your Bible every day. Get into the Bible. Get into your studies such that it's prioritized in a way that when God calls for you to speak for him, you can publish him very, very well. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. And it goes on to say in verse 2, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instructions. And if you know anything about me, and I will close here in a minute. Tyler, you might need to help me. You know that I'm an encourager. I love for people to feel better about themselves. I love for people to feel like God really does love them that we can do all things through Jesus Christ, that we are a royal priesthood, that we are a holy nation. I love for people to encourage one another daily. And, though, it says to correct, to rebuke, and encourage. Preach the word, Timothy. Encourage and, 2 Timothy 3.16 said, that this is the inspired word of God, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training up in righteousness. There may be times where you, upon the word of God, have to say some difficult things. And guess what? There are going to be moments where people don't want to hear it because their ears are just itching for the things that, they, that tickle their fancy. Maybe get a mosquito bite and how badly you want to scratch that thing. What happens if you scratch it too much? Scab, and you got a whole jacked up, my kids, right? I'm like, why? Stop. Itching ears where people, King James Version, King James Version says they will heap upon themselves teachers that, that, that are after their own lusts. Timothy preached the word in season and out of season to encourage, yes, and to rebuke and to to teach and to train up. How might that look in your life when you know the culture says one thing because it's comfortable and the word says something else? Peter said to to Jesus, no, Lord, you shouldn't have to go and do that. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) The truth of the gospel is that I've got to move forward. It's not always going to make people or us feel good. 
to preach the word in season and out of season, encouragement, teaching, and rebuke. And yet that's what God's word calls us to do. Isaiah 30 says it this way, and I think it's quite interesting and relevant to where we are today. People says, they said to the seers, see no more visions. And to the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. They'd be looking, it says, for instruction that would allay their restless and uneasy desires and would gratify them. Looking for teachers to coincide with their whims, if you will, who would be the advocates of the errors which they held and who would be afraid to rebuke their faults. This is an encouraging word in that we don't want to find ourselves in a space of of surrounding ourselves with people who say things that we always agree with, who say things that scratch the itch that may not be God's itch. But it's itching, so it must be meant for me to scratch it, man, if it's God's itch. Maybe it's something that God needs to deal with. And how might we take on his desire and scratch the itch that he has given to us? I thought about having a small group in here. I want to see how many people would come where I would say, hey, we're going to watch the news. We're just going to turn it off and talk. I see I'd be by myself. All right. Um, We're going to watch the 6 o'clock news. Maybe we'll take two channels. And we're going to go and just have a conversation about that. What itches are we scratching? Where does it come from? We have urges. We have temptations. But what is God's? What is God's? Verse 4, as we close somewhere in here, says that they'll turn their ears away from the truth, turn aside to myth. But in verse 5, it says, but you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. I was in college. I memorized the poem, If. Sort of random, but related. One of my favorite lines of the poem was, if you can keep your head with all about you, is losing theirs and blaming it on you. I said, man, Roger Kipling was brilliant, but he got that from Paul. Keep your head in all situations. It's going to be hard. But you know what? Do the work of an evangelist, Timothy, Paul Harris. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Focus and finish. 1 Samuel 15, you can read it later. Saul, uh, sorry, Samuel said to Saul, listen, Saul, when you go, you need to destroy them. Take care of them. Wipe out the Amalekites for good. What did he do? He went in and did some damage, but then he kind of kept some things behind and said, but I'm going to offer them up to Jesus as a sacrifice because that's cool, right? God said, obedience is better than sacrifice. Focus, Samuel, and finish. Focus and finish. I desire obedience. Where are you? Where am I? Timothy, where are you? Because I'm about to roll out of here. Stay focused. It's going to be hard. It's supposed to be hard. And it's going to get even harder because people aren't even going to want to hear what you have to say. And I'm saying, preach the word. You, but you. Otherwise, other people might look and say, no big deal. People get cussed out all the time. No big deal. Another woman in engineering getting paid less. No big deal. But you keep your head in all situations. Christianity, yeah. Yeah. But you keep your head in all Situation. Endure hardships. Do the work of an evangelist. Tell your story. Discharge all the duties. Turn to your neighbor and say all. All. All the duties of your ministry. The good news is that each of us has a duty. There's something on the inside of you that God has given to you to share. Doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, how. Mad, bad, you think you might have messed up. There are duties for you to fully discharge. 
nothing disappoints me more or makes me sadder to see young people in education that I've been in now for 16 years not fully tapping their potential. And every time it turns into a mirror moment because then I say, well, God, what am I not doing to fully discharge the ministry you've given to me? Enlarge my capacity to do all that you've called me to do in bringing heaven here to earth. But you, but me, but we. Amen? Amen. Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. We thank you for calling us to be a city on a hill, not to be hidden. We thank you for the opportunity to use the platform of life, whatever walk of life we find ourselves in, to recognize your presence in that space, to publish Jesus in that space, and to focus and finish in that space. Pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that we will participate well in that process by offering up, Romans 12 says, in view of the mercy of God, offering up our bodies as living sacrifices. Why? Not because we're so great and we have so much energy and we got so much skills and we've got so many degrees and we got so much to offer the world and because you need us. No, because it's a reasonable response for all that you've done. It's a reasonable response. It's a reasonable response for who you are. Thank you for that opportunity. And we're thankful with eyes closed and heads bowed for the opportunity today for somebody to give their life to Jesus Christ. If you've yet to do that and want to do that today, raise your hand really high because we want to pray with and for you this morning. Amen. Lord, we thank you for those in attendance here who either have a relationship with you already or are perhaps struggling between wanting to offer fully our lives over to you and not, that you would soften our hearts further for the gospel. Soften our hearts further, God, to, to, to recognize that you are speaking not just to Timothy here, but to us, to be a peculiar people, to be a people completely committed to you, to be a people, as the song says, that give their lives away. <laughs> so that you can use us. If you're live streaming and perhaps you did give your lives to Christ this morning, you can just repeat these words after me. Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring for me. Today I repent and I am thankful for your forgiveness. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And I commit this day forward to following you with my whole heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to very quickly, gosh, I know we're short on time, but I want to have, if you're in the room, those who were baptized this morning, can y'all just come up to the stage? We have something for you, but I also wanted to see those in the audience to just see who went down in the name of Jesus today. And if you're a parent of a young person, I am one. My little boy got baptized this morning. Hallelujah. Um, Come on up too. So Wade or Amy, if you're here, come come on up to the stage. And can we just give a hand for them as they come up? Okay. So if you don't know what baptism's all about, no, we won't preach another 40-minute sermon on that right now. But Romans 6 and 4 says when we go down in the water, it's like burial with Jesus. And when we come up, it's like being raised with him. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, therefore... Uh, when we're in Christ, we are a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. 
So those before you have professed, Jesus, you're my Lord. And the baptism is just an outward expression, public declaration of an inward change that's already happened of how they are choosing to die to self and to live for him. Scratch the itches he gives them, publishing him in all of their in all of their lives. So we have some certificates for you to mark this moment and to give God the praise and the glory again for what he has done. And if you're interested in being a part of our next baptismal service, we have the Crow Rec Center reserved for December 8th. And we'll be sharing some more information about the class that will precede that moment. And we would love for as many of you as possible to participate. But can y'all stand and give a hand to the Lord and encouragement of those here today. Bless y'all. One more round of applause for Jesus and for them. Thank you, God. What a wonderful moment. So many more thanks to give. Um, you can have, you can be, well, stay, stay standing because the, the, the praise team is going to sing in a moment. A um, lot of testimonies to give. Can I mention a few or maybe two? Um, one is related to the baptism ceremony. Um, I said to some pastoral colleagues of mine, we're having our first baptism. You know, it's taking a little longer than we thought, but, but gosh, we're excited. And they said, well, where are you having it? I said, a rec center right next door. Really? For how much? I said, pennies. What do you have to set up? Nothing. What do you have to clean up? Nothing. Do you have to get a lifeguard and pay for them? No. <laughs> they were like, you know what we have to do? Do you understand? I said, listen. God has been favoring this congregation for reasons that are beyond me because it's not connections at all. And I just want to say thank you, Lord, publicly for how he is making ways out of no way. And I just want to do better of acknowledging him in what might seem to be small and minute because it happens all week long. Um, the second testimony I want to share by way of extension, we are connected to a larger body of of churches um, called Every Nation, but directly attached to Grace Covenant Church in Chantilly. And next month, you're going to hear from Donnell Jones, who, when Taylor and I got married, they, uh, Pastor Donnell and Marianne, were our first pastor, pastors. So in many ways, I feel like they raised us in marriage. Um, and for 20 years, they were mobile in Washington, D.C. Grace Covenant in Chantilly was mobile for 30 years before they got the building that if you've ever been to and people walk in and say wow well 30 years office park schools and and so the joke sort of ran but somewhat truthfully that dc was the apple that didn't fall far because they just how many 20 years i tell pastor Bert all the time i don't want i love the inheritance of grace but i don't want that inheritance <laughs> lord help us but 20 years in ministry the washington dc campus of grace covenant church just purchased their own building that's amazing. That's amazing. In the district, I share that to encourage you. I really do. To celebrate, but to encourage. Our God, he sees and he knows, and he wants to be in those details of our lives as well as us corporately. Amen? So let's believe him more, extend our faith more, and be a part of the but you. Have a wonderful day. Love y'all.